Podcast, and we would like to welcome our very special guest this evening, the first pick in the 2006 MLS Super Draft out of UCLA, former New York Red Bulls, Toronto FC, Colorado Rapids, San Jose Earthquakes, and U.S. Men's National Team player Ooh. and 2010 MLS Cup champion Marvell Wynn. How are you Ooh. doing, Marvell? What's up, Marvell? I'm doing very well, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. You know, we're excited to have you on, but thanks for your time. We truly do appreciate it. Of course. I'm happy to do it, guys. Yeah. And so I'm sure you kept up with the MLS season. There's a possibility of all four of your former clubs to make the playoffs this year. So that's a little interesting tidbit. Yeah, two of them already clinched, the Toronto FC and New York Red Bulls. So two more to go. (laughs) I mean, we'll see whatever luck I have. I guess once I leave teams, they do all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for the one exception when I left Toronto, I went to Colorado. That one in 2010, that kind of worked out for me. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's perfectly fine. I mean, I want to see my quakes in there, obviously, right? Right. And, you know, I still have love for the Rapids. I really do. Even after, you know, five years of being there, I love this city. I love it. It's a good place. So, I mean, get all those old teams in there. You know, and you know what? You miss one. I was actually drafted by New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Oh, but they became yeah. the Red Bulls like two weeks later. So that's, <laughs> that's how old I am. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That is that pretty crazy. Just, I mean, I totally forgot even about the New Jersey Metro Stars, right? So. Yeah, you even forgot my name there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All and right. You're not the only former, technically, your former Metro star for those two weeks. You're not the only former Metro star in the uh, soccer media business now that Tim Howard's covering Premier League. So, yeah, right. it's pretty little, interesting. A little bit more well known, but I'm glad he's still a defender. You know, we see a lot what goes on the pitch, and, you know, we're not all kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Tim Howard's not a FIFA legend like Marv here. So, I mean, you might be more popular just to say, just to be honest. Well, you mean when it comes to the FIFA? Yeah, or it comes to just in soccer knowledge in, of the world, right? A lot, maybe more people know you because FIFA is very, you know, renowned in the world. While you know, the Premier League, yeah, is pretty well known too. But <laughs> just with the younger yeah. kids, they might know you more, right? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm still getting messages in my DMs, just like, man, you're just a picture of my card. And they just, they're just being nice. They're saying, this your card was broken. I use your card all the time. This is so great. And, you know, usually I just do like a, you know, like a sprinter emoji and then like a, <laughs> like a, like a respect fist or something like that. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Let, let them know that I give props. Like, you know, if they want to, if they can reach me, they can contact me. You know, yeah. Let them, let them know that I see it. It's like, you know what, guys? Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. This seems like a good time to mention uh, the one fan question we have. Uh, so... He asks, uh, Farim Karim asks, have you ever played as yourself in FIFA since you were so fast? And I'll change that to ask, when was the first time, per- perhaps, that you played yourself in FIFA? Since I'm sure you had to try it out, right? I had to try it out. I think, so I have played myself in FIFA. I'm not a big mm-hmm. 
sports guy. I'm usually into RPGs. I'm usually, you know, alone, solo, dolo. So give me my Final Fantasies or Dragon Age, and then I'll awesome. be playing, you know, uh, The Witcher 3. Good choices there. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be on my own. I'll be happy as can be. But mm-hmm. playing myself at FIFA, it was pretty cool because I think I played the 2005 version. That might have been my first oh, yeah. year. I oh, think wow. number one overall, you know, they kind of went all out. I was like, oh, that does look like me. Two years later, just the generic, just no, no, nothing, nothing going on. And um, I like, again, I like using my speed. I mean, I think uh, 2005 or six, like it was very easy to cross the ball and just get on the end of headers. So I just had me run down the lines and then cross and cross. But at the same time, all my friends would play me and they put me up top because they thought my speed would just translate to offensive prowess. Yeah. No. All my, my, one of my boys that like, your awareness is so low. I tried using you, kept running to a goalpost. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> it's, not, it's not my fault that you put me at striker. Yeah, yeah man. You know, I am, I am absolutely lost. I feel like I'm, an, I'm on an island out there. I want to know what to do. Come on. <laughs> yeah, this isn't like pick up at like a barbecue or something. Like in that case, like mm-hmm. you'll see I'm in a to striker huh <laughs> yeah we're at a professional level gotta treat me as such keep me in the back where i know what i'm doing <laughs> all, right, all right so we're gonna get so Mara, i'm gonna ask you a couple rapid fire questions to get to know you or kind of like what you like and basically like the, tell our viewers a little bit about you all right yeah. so we'll go with favorite earthquakes moment Earthquakes moment may be when we beat Kansas City 5-0 in Kansas City, I believe this was in 2012. No, no, sorry, 2000. Oh, I went in 2015, maybe 2016, mm. because they were kind of going. They were real hot. They were real on fire. They were not losing at home or any of this. Yeah, and we just came in and shut them down. I think it was one of the first games Anibal Godoy was with us, and we was just strong. It just felt good. It's that. It's that chip goal he had, right? That game. I think it was MLS goal of the week. Did he chip that game? I don't know. I, I know he had a. I know he had a, at least one goal when it was kind of he just did like a twist and turn. But mm. I remember his chip too. I mean, we all remember the chip. Yeah, um, yeah. I do remember that year where Kansas City was just stellar at home. I think we've never won at Kansas City away or something like that. And it was yeah. like our first time. And that was just a. I remember that I was in college. It was a five zero win. It was just a great win. I do remember that. And then favorite Earthquakes jersey? The black ones they have now. That's what I wear. <laughs> I've always wanted to wear a black jersey. I've always These? wanted to wear a black jersey. Yeah, yes, those. <laughs> so for those of who are just listening, so I'm wearing uh, this season's jerseys. It's mostly black. It has a little bit of a stripe, but it's the black and blue jerseys that right. Marvel is referring to. So, yeah. Wait, Marv, you never wore a black jersey ever in your career? I think one year when I was in San Diego playing for surf, they had one, but I could only play one game. Like I just wanted to, I just wanted an all black jersey. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so, so not even that one, the one that's just like all black, the really, the real black one that was maybe in 2017 when I had to retire. So the ones oh. that before this, when they're just all black. Yeah. The Sutter health one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those are cool. I wanted a black jersey, man. <laughs> yeah. When you think of some other sports, like, you know, there, there's some black jerseys in like the Raiders and the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, but like in MLS, they like to be a bit more colorful. I think. Well, now yeah, with LAFC, do. right? They have the black oh, and yeah. gold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and DC, DC's had them forever, and they've always been. Oh like yeah. A certain rival. DC United, yeah. yeah. I forget them. <laughs> yeah, there, are, there are a couple black jerseys out there, but I just, mm-hmm. I don't know, just I like my fa- black, my favorite color. I think it just looks clean. It just looks nice, and they look Definitely. sharp. Yeah. 
that that black is my favorite color too. So I understand. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Now that you first mentioned yeah. Raiders being black, because I'm also Raider Nation. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, me I, too. I yeah. yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, Marv, are you a Las Vegas fan now, though? You you went along? You were like, okay. I'm sticking with them, man. Yeah. I mean, my dad made me – my dad grew up in Ch- Southside Chicago. And he said, you remember, turn on WGN, and for some reason, Raiders were always playing. So, that made him Raider fan. Oh, wow. And now that makes me a Raider fan. So, no matter where they go, I'm, I'm just Raider Nation. That's just – it's just in there now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There That's awesome. Go. All right, so the next part was favorite thing to eat on game day. That can be as a player or as a commentator or as a fan, right? Okay, so favorite thing to eat on game day would – it's changed a bit throughout the years because before it was, you know, carbo load, try to get as much fuel in there as possible and then, you know, just try to use it all in the games. But yeah. I realized later on after taking a couple, like, DNA tests that there's, like, you know, you have a very uh, low – carbohydrate um sensitivity so it actually sit in my stomach for a while oh wow so eventually i started moving up to like having kind of big breakfast and tapering off throughout the day so at the end of it i think just a, a nice bowl of granola, granola wow and milk just minimal and then just eat that it's my last little bit before it comes to game time gives me energy doesn't weigh me down and it ended up being like just the right thing that's awesome that's that's actually really cool how you found that out right i mean so the first part of your career, you were just overeating and then was that affecting your game, your game at all? You, you, do you feel? See, the tough part is I wouldn't know because that's what I did. I mean, right. uh, in club games, uh, high school games, you'd have pasta parties, you know, get all set, <laughs> get all ready, get all carb loaded. But I tried it. And just once I stopped doing this, I was like, Oh, I get it now. So right. I would say, yeah, I overate for a long time. Wow. All right. And then, so this is another question. Who was the hardest player for you to mark? I feel like I'd be bragging now because because in my head I'm like Ronaldinho <laughs> was tough, Messi was tough, Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo was tough, <laughs> Beckham was annoying, Neto <laughs> <laughs> was pretty fast but not that fast, you know. I mean it's I mean it's, most annoying. I would say Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow. Okay. He, he, he was he was he was super annoying. I played him just um, he was on yeah Madrid when we and I was on TFC. And it was a preseason was just, or midseason friendly because it was summer, probably. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was just he was just he was just annoying. Like first he'd get on the ball, so then all the crowd would cheer and be like, "Yeah, what's gonna do, Mark? What's gonna do, Mark?" And then he get on the ball and he started doing step overs. I'm like, "Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going?" Then he just pass it off. I'd be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> then one time he actually tried kicking it by me, running by me. I got it from him, but I mean, then again, we went up for one header once. I was all set up. He just jumps from the side puts it on, goes around, gets the ball back somehow, and then scores. So Wow. And then, I mean, he, put, he uh, poster boarded me. <laughs> it was like on a magazine with me going like this, and he was just sighing <laughs> above me. I was like, well, the sun was in my eyes. I couldn't see him. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> no one cares when you're just sitting there on top of a magazine just being just owned. Yeah. So, <laughs> that will say him. That's awesome. All right. And then what stadium was the hardest to play in? So this can be any away team that you played against that you felt that their environment was just insane. Oh, yeah. Environment just insane. See, I mean, we. I, it doesn't really bother me when stadiums are loud like Seattle. Seattle is super loud, but it doesn't really yeah. bother me. It's just really frustrating with all that and the turf. Mm. So I guess it kind of gets to me in that sort of way. Yeah. Um, fans that kind of, 
you know, just would rather jeer than cheer, I would say definitely Philadelphia. But a close <laughs> second place would be Salt Lake. Okay. Oh. fans that are right behind the goal, talking to the keeper the whole warm-up, they're not – Oh, wow. They're not, they're not nice people. Oh, like, wow. Oh, okay. I didn't do the thing where, like, Tim Howard turned around and he said something back to him, and everyone's like, oh, how could he say that? I'm like, I guarantee they were saying way worse. But finally he <laughs> said something, and then there it goes. I so, never yeah, they said a couple things. They said a couple things to me, too, but it's just – it is that was that uh Rocky Mountain rivalry, right? Rapids Rail Salt Lake. Um, I think it was again, I was never on Tim Howard's team as a as a rapid, but I do remember hearing that he said something back to their fans and it would yeah. um, most likely would be in at in Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah. So I never, yeah, I was just wondering if like you heard those things from the RSL fans, probably both when you were both at San Jose Earthquakes and uh, Colorado Rapids, because you play all the Western Conference teams pretty often. But yeah, yeah, I heard I heard things from the fans back there. They mm-hmm. said they they said that they like I was we were doing a jog around the field at the end, and it was like Marv, I blanked your sister, and I was like, oh, <laughs> really? Wow, <laughs> that's a really mean thing to say. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I there's no doubt in my head that uh. Yeah. Salt Lake, Salt, Salt Lake, again, the second two. But Philly, they're just – they love jeering. I, I, I really think <laughs> they do. It's fun. It's more fun there. Yeah, I, I, oh, I never knew that about RSL. Wow, that's 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 nice little tidbit there. Um, during your time on the Quakes, who did you hang out with the most? Brian Meredith and I hung out quite a bit. Uh, let's see. Sean Francis a bit. Okay. And then, obviously, when, when my boy, when Chad Barrett came along, I mean, we went to UCLA together. Yeah. Uh, oh, there you go. Tor- then we also played in Toronto together. So, I mean, once he came, he was my he was my roommate. And then we were, I mean, we were just boys again. Yeah, then, that's I, awesome. I, I love that guy. He recently had a daughter. So, if he ever hears this or anything, congratulations, Chad. Yeah, congrats, um, Chad. That's yeah. great. He's one, of my, he's, one of my, he's one of my best friends when it comes to the soccer world. That's awesome. Yeah, he re- Chad Barrett reminds me of what Will Bruin's doing right now for the Seattle Sounders. Mm-hmm. He's a very hardworking and pretty useful player to have. He bounced around a lot in the league, but wherever he went, like you would get some production out of him and teammates enjoyed being around him. So he's definitely a player that like I enjoyed seeing play. Yeah, it's good to hear that. I like I like I like hearing some good stuff about some good people. Mm-hmm. Do you still uh stay in contact with Sean Francis and Brian Meredith as well? No, not as much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mostly mostly just Chad. Um, I mean, I, I kind of wish I did, but mm-hmm. there's just a, such a revolving door. I mean, I played right. in Toronto for three years. I mean, that was just yeah. in and out and in and out yeah. and in and out. Coaches, players, staff, anything. So, um, yeah, I actually I actually don't hang talk to them too much. Don't really mm. see what they're doing or anything. But that's, that's one thing about my uh, post-career that I wish I could adjust a little bit to. Keep in touch with those guys. Yeah, I think Brian Meredith – I think Brian Meredith still works for our place for Vancouver, right? I think he's still. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. He's still in the league. And yeah. So hopefully, hopefully he's Francis. doing well during this crazy 2020. Yeah, right. Sean Francis recently he last played for Louisville City, one of the better USL championship teams. And uh, last played in 2019. So maybe he's still around in the United States. And you now he's originally from Jamaica. So maybe he splits his time. But yeah. It's good players to uh, become friends with, though, even if you don't speak to them as much as you would like. Right. 
Yeah, so um, real quick, uh, I want to uh, just acknowledge since uh, we covered this question in the rapid fire segment, uh, Jeff Vikas wanted to know your favorite game in San Jose Quicks jersey. Thank you for the question. And also want to thank our sponsor of this podcast, Roughneck Scarves. And then we can talk a little bit about your uh, childhood and early experiences with the sport. Go ahead, Fabi. Yeah, so your father played as an outfield for the Pittsburgh Pirates, San Diego Padres, Chicago Cubs, and the Hanshin Tigers in Japan. Did he inspire you to pursue sports as a passion and later a career? If they did, it was so early on that I didn't really notice. I got mm-hmm. into soccer going to watch one of my friends play in little indoor, and uh, they were down a man, so my mom just volunteered me. They were all four, I was three, and I just kept running and running and running, and I really enjoyed <laughs> myself. So then I just kind of kept playing soccer. Then, you know, he'd want to go in the backyard and try throwing the ball around, mm-hmm. you know, baseball and all that. I'm like, this is a lot slower and a lot less fun than what I'm used to. <laughs> right, Dad? But either way, I just like playing sports. So growing up, I mean, I, did, I played soccer, gymnastics, basketball, flag football, volleyball, um, some baseball. I mean, just I, I ran track in high school. So I, I played a lot of different sports. They were all fun. but uh, I guess when it became older and colleges were looking at things, um, his most, one of his like two main tips for professional advice is if someone's coming out to watch you and there's a showcase or anything, don't try to play above and beyond your own talents because even if you do pull them off and you get into whatever school or onto whatever team and you don't perform at the level that you showed, mm. then then you're just you then you you missold yourself. They're gonna be expecting more and you can't and you can't do that, mm. but what you need to know is they're coming out. They know you, they've heard about you for a reason. Just go out and do what you do. I mean, give them what they know you're going to give them and just do it consistently. And then I'll take you far. That's awesome. Okay. That's a nice little piece of advice for all you guys trying to make it pro out there. That's great advice actually. Cause you yeah. don't want to label as a bust, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I granted he, he, just, he would never think I would be number one overall or anything, but I was like, I'll give that to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you were born in Pittsburgh, but I guess you spent most of your childhood after your dad finished his uh, playing days in baseball in Poway, right? In San Diego? San Diego, yeah. I think I was in Pittsburgh for maybe two weeks. And then we went out to San Diego. We were in we were in downtown San Diego for a bit, but Rancho Bernardo and Poway mostly is uh, where I was raised. Well, so I moved to San Diego in 2019, and we currently live in Scripps Ranch. So we're right near Poway so that's yeah small world right there your neighbor your neighbor yeah there we go I I absolutely no scripts ranch (laughs) yeah there we go so in in Poway high school correct that was your high hello Ivan yeah Yeah, oh 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 there we go so yeah that's where you set a uh, 100 meter dash time of 10.39 seconds so that's pretty much when you knew that like regardless of what sport you're getting into most likely soccer at that point uh you were g- gonna be one of the fastest players on the field if not the fastest mo- more often than not huh uh, well to be honest i never really considered myself to be that above and beyond fast wow. um which is and it's, it's weird to say but um whenever i would play it was just i would run enough to get the ball back right. i mean it wasn't yeah. like i'm gonna it's just it, but there was a feeling of if you have the ball and you're running towards my net, I'm going to catch you. Like you right. will not get there. I, I will not let you get there. Yeah. So I suppose in one way it wasn't, you know, 
I know I'm fast. It doesn't matter. I can outrun anybody. It was more so I've got this defending thing down. So I'm just going to stick to that. Mm. You know, so like, so like people want me to like, um, Dominic O'Doro to race or, mm-hmm. or, um, Dane Richards, we were on the Red Bulls together for a bit, you know, oh, very yeah. fast guys, but I mean, there was never any like, you know, you want to go, bro? You wanna go? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you think you could have beat him though? If you, there was, <laughs> <laughs> they're both quicker than me. Oh no, 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 no. Dom had long strides like me. So I think, uh, Dane Richards could beat me short distance like maybe maybe even my, his 40 was faster right but, mm-hmm. i mean if like, i mean you're not you're not you're not getting away from me you're not going down the field man <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You. I mean, yeah all right so tell us a little bit about your experience at ucla for the two years you played soccer how did you like it um was there a lot of partying behind the scenes <laughs> <laughs> how, how was it for marvel winning at ucla so unfortunately, I have the most. I probably have the most boring college experience of like ever. I was I was so nervous about being at <laughs> UCLA and performing that I would go to bed at you know at like at like nine o'clock at night and just be so nervous for whatever preseason or for whatever um, practices that we're gonna have to have because I you know, I felt like I had to perform and I was so yeah. nervous. Like there were there were some there were a couple parties. Um, there was a soccer house for a little bit. Um, that has since been torn down and like, they sent it to us on like Facebook and everyone that's like cried because that, yeah. like, that was like our gathering spot. I think Chad Barrett uh, lived in that house for a little bit. So, oh, wow. uh, so I mean, there were, there were definitely some fun experiences, but a lot of the experience, I mean, I loved going there. Um, I loved being around, you know, like-minded individuals, you know, yeah. a bunch of athletes. It was the first time I saw a college football player and I'm like, where were you, where were you built? Like, yeah. There's no way that you're human. <laughs> People are massive. So, I mean, it was good. A lot of fun experiences. But, you know, all the partying and outside of stuff, you know, I just, I was just laser focused. It was, it was super, super boring. And I would say that I'm one of the select few that move on while being in that kind of zone. I think a lot of people have fun and enjoy themselves to right. perform better. So, you know, I was, I was just very strict on things and, you know, that's, made that's, it out though. That's awesome. Did you ever go back and finish your degree or did you finish it in those two years? How did that go down? So when I first got dropped, I was like, okay, everything's focused on soccer. Got to focus on soccer. I'll go back someday. I'll go back someday. Mm-hmm. Retirement happens. Or I think in 2016, I started looking into SNHU, that, you know, the sponsor of major league yeah. soccer and you get like 75% off tuition. So I started wow. going back into there and I, when I was doing that for a couple of years, then COVID hit, and then my wife needed some help uh, with her businesses and things. So I actually yeah. have put that off for a little bit. Awesome. I think it's a sabbatical. Yeah. Okay. Um, All what's, right. <laughs> what's your wife's business? Like, uh, what do you help her with? So she is a yoga instructor, but she awesome. owns a building that has her yoga studio, a natural grocery store, and a restaurant. And then oh, above that, wow. there are some, there are some, um, some apartments. So I've helped her uh, get their apartments rented out. I've helped for little maintenance things around her, um, around the store. And even the yoga studio, we've actually done a couple of videos because I'm in training. I'm, I'm a certified yoga instructor now. Oh, so wow. I've helped her do some videos and posters online so that I can be a little, thank you. So I can be a little, you know, a little dummy or she can do the more advanced poses and I'll do a modified versions so you can see what it's supposed to look like and what you look like. <laughs> what uh when when are we gonna get the day that Mar- uh, marvel win has a yoga class in the middle of avaya where we're socially distanced right open air is that gonna happen 
<laughs> I hope that would happen soon. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I would love, I would absolutely love to do that. Awesome. I people through like my own little, um, my own flow that I think is the most effective for me. Like it'll probably get a lot of lower back and a lot of hip. Um, but that would, I mean, I, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta send an email to the right person. So maybe that could be like a season ticket holder thing. That'd be cool. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, I mean, we're in San Jose, yeah. Yeah, we're in California. Oh, we're just about to help nuts and anything. We'll have couscous on the side for everybody to have. Yeah, seeing these um, uh, Peloton commercials and all these different things where, like, they have the uh, live uh, instructor sessions along with you're doing the workouts from home. Like, does that kind of, like, add a little fuel to the fire with this yoga business? Is like, oh, well, you know what? We're not going to let some pandemic stop us from accomplishing our goals here. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that, that was a huge part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so I was kind of taught kind of halfway between COVID and not COVID. So when she was telling us, like, this is how you're supposed to move. This is how you help people out. This is how you adjust their poses and things. Mm. You know, she's so used to being hands-on and speaking in front of people that when we started setting up cameras and having her doing it remotely, she was, it, was, it was just off. She has a mountain of knowledge in her head, but it was just difficult teaching when there's nothing in front of you that you can you can buy a ball right. and adjust poses and things so that that's been a little tough but i mean she's she's been doing very well she's gotten new clients just by doing this online format and things so yeah it's actually going very well for her and I'm, I'm very happy for her if any of our if any of our listeners want to go ahead and uh support your wife do you have a link or anything that you would want to let everybody know yeah and uh, so on instagram i think her handle is uh, yoga seven so yoga the number seven and then even so yoga seven even i guess awesome. and then uh that's the way to follow her on uh on instagram perfect all right so um really quickly you entered the mls super draft in 2006 after two seasons in college these days it seems like the majority of the mls super draft um hopefuls played their four years of eligibility at uh, in college so you entered this league relatively younger was it a tough decision at the time to make that step up, even as one, if not the highest rated po- prospect in the country? I want to say it, was, it wasn't very difficult. Um, mm. See, when I was going, um, so I had first gone to the U20 World Cup, and that was in Enschede in Holland. And I had been getting some interest from teams overseas, uh, Feyenoord, FC Mets, Monaco, Anderlecht and mm. Hamburg oh, wow I can remember and at the time it was like you know do you want to go over to Europe and play soccer right now and I'm just like 18 year old Mars like I don't want to like, like <laughs> I, I was I was I was scared I, I was I was scared to go I didn't think I was good enough I thought UCLA was a good fit for me so I went back for another season I performed well and then like well there's this generation Adidas thing and we can provide you with these contracts and then you can have this opportunity. Plus you'll still be at home and awesome. It looks like Chivas USA will be drafting you. So you'll be right here in LA still. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, all these things sound great. I mean, why not, why not go for it? So mm-hmm. um, at the time I remember talking to my mom and of course my coach at the time and they're like, you know, you're in a great situation. You know, you'd be right here. You'd, you'd be getting a full ride. I mean, not a lot of people get the opportunity, and you know when you get to that next level, you your salary is based on performance, and you have to show up every day. And we're not sure if you can do that yet. So <laughs> there's a little bit of doubt coming from the like the two people that are most influenced on or influenced me the most when it comes to my soccer career. 
But despite that, it kind of felt comfortable leaving anyway. Um, mostly because there was this guy, Brandon Owens, that was uh, played before me, or he got to the college before me. Uh, I grew up playing soccer with him. He just, his parents wanted him to stay an extra year. Then the next year, bam, got his ACL torn out. Oh. Um, you know, so it's just like, I, I don't, if I, if I, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I don't, I don't want right. to stay around. And, you know, so I think yeah. I, I think I lucked out, you know, college sports are very physical. Right. So you ended up being drafted by the New York Metro Stars, then the New York <laughs> Red Bulls, as we've established. And so it took also, I think, a coaching change for Bruce Arena to take over, for you to really get your big break and start to play more regularly. And so how was that like bringing into that first team for the first time, probably your first hurdle in your professional career? Well, that was a, that was a tough part. So Mo Johnson was the one that drafted me. He traded mm-hmm. up from the third pick to get me over there. Then when he was sacked, he became the head coach of Toronto. So he traded for me again. <laughs> so, um, when I was about to, when I was going to play under Bruce Arena, I was like, Oh, you know, national team coach, whatever. He had uh, Pierre with him and he was the guy, he was the fitness instructor that had us for the U20. So I'm like, Oh, Pierre, great. I know you, Yeah, man. <laughs> I know exactly what we're going to do for fitness. Um, but when I was there, one thing I could say about Bruce Arena is that he doesn't really like, developing young talent i mean mm-hmm. even when he was there he got rid of a, young, of a lot of the young a lot of the young guys because he wanted to bring in veterans i mean i was i wasn't one for one traded for juan pablo angel but it was pretty close like it was mm-hmm. like i i um got some allocation money for him or something like that and then when we saw bruce go over to galaxy for a bit he did the same thing he let go of my one of my uh, guys i grew up with mike randolph um i think mike stevens was one of the one guys that he kept along that was a young kid but he just likes coming in, getting his veterans, and then just basically playing like he did with the national team. Right. He doesn't have time to build you up and make you a better player. You will get better by playing around these other other players. But and if you can get onto the pitch, then you get some game time experience. But other than that, he's not making sure that you know how to do this right, you know how to do this right, or where you're supposed to be tactically. It's just he he comes on. He's like, "This is what I want from you. Do it." And if, if you can't do it. I'm going to get someone who can, and then they will all know how to do it, so then they'll help everybody else. So just another way of coaching. Hmm. All right, that makes sense because I remember the 2006 World Cup squad uh, that Bruce Arena was the head coach of. He only had two players in that squad under the age of 24 at the time, which was Bobby Convey and uh, Eddie Johnson. And then the next youngest players, Landon Donovan and uh, Demarcus Beasley, they already had that World Cup experience too. So he wasn't like taking a chance on these young players he liked the experienced veterans, and we saw that again when he took over as head coach again in the 2010s. So that does make sense. That lines up with what we know of Bruce Arena. Yeah, which is something that has to change. I mean, we can, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the I was I'm probably the last team that went to the Olympics in 2008. That's big That's big story. Youth. You know what I mean? Wow. We need we need we need more going on. I mean, whether it be you have the comp- the conflict of saying, don't you think multi-sport athletes can make be- the best soccer players? Or if it's just, we raise soccer players mm. and then they're better tactically. It's right. Just, it's ne- where you go. Yeah, it's never as uh, clear cut as like, oh yeah, take Tom Brady out of football, put him in soccer. Take LeBron James yeah. out of basketball, put him in soccer. We're winning a World Cup. It's not that simple. Yeah. It, when you look at you know, the women's soccer team, U.S. women's national team, that – 
these aren't the types of players like you're not going to put Megan Rapinoe on the basketball court. So these are mm-hmm. soccer players that they live and breathe the sport their whole lives and that mm-hmm. they're able to accomplish so many great things. And if the, you know, some, there's some, something lost between how we're developing young girls to become great soccer players and young guys to become great soccer players. So that's definitely interesting. Yeah. I mean, if, I wouldn't mind putting Megan Rapinoe on our flank for the U.S. men's national team. She would do great. I mean, she's so she's so good. I think she would take be no better than a lot of our guys. Yeah, take no mess. Come back. Come here. Exactly. Exactly. Recently engaged, I think, to Sue Bird too. Congratulations to her. Congratulations. Good for her. Congratulations. Yeah. So. Uh, you also made your U.S. men's national team debut in a friendly in Argent- against Argentina in 2007, which preceded your involvement in the 2008 Olympic squad for the Beijing Olympics. So that, that must have been an incredible experience. Tell us a little bit more about that. They're really good at soccer. <laughs> Argentina is Argentina. really, really good. I mean, oh, this yeah. is – I think we were even winning 1-0 at halftime, and then – it was just it was just experiencing such a different level directly and it was it was such it was so many small things it was just Mastrano in the middle just laying off balls one touch and diving them perfectly and then everybody mm. else kind of moving and knowing what they're doing and then when they're on the ball they could do whatever they wanted they there's a there's potential that they could run by you the potential <laughs> that they can do a one two around you they can dribble you and juke you out of your socks and then move on. It seems mm-hmm. like before with, uh, you know, MLS soccer and national team things in American, like we're very fit. We like to run. We're just a very fit country. So it's, we get the ball and you pass and move. When you're not on the ball, you move. So we're just very active and we just move all over the place and so often, but mm-hmm. seeing them, that's just like, they didn't, they would, they, they could have walked and everything would have played just the way they did it because right. they're just so good. Technically it's, it was it was under it was overwhelmingly impressive. Wow! Right, yeah, and so you you make your debut against one of the best teams in the world, and the, Argentina would eventually send an Olympic squad that would win the gold medal in Beijing. And it, when you do get to the Olympics, you're put in a really tough group. You just barely miss out on reaching the knockout stage with Nigeria, who got the silver medal with seven points. And then you drew Netherlands, which is always a good team, too. IX is always producing young players for Olympic squads like this. So, yeah, so you got to be a part of some good teams. And you got to be – it seems like at the time that, okay, Marvel win is going to be a defender that we can count on. It didn't quite go that way. You didn't get as many caps as you would have liked. But you still got to experience what a lot of people dream of to represent your country at the highest level. So congrats on that. Thank you. And I wouldn't take any of that back for anything. I mean, yeah, things didn't pan out um, the way I would like. Of course, I would have loved to have a lot more national team games. But Mm. at the same time, I don't know, just wasn't a good fit for Bob Bradley. He was the one that had us do, I was a part of those January camps for the first four or five years of my career. Mm. And it's just, you're just looking to go, I don't know, I guess probably just more skillful. He wanted to be more safe, I suppose. I can understand. I'm not I'm not the best technically on the ball. I mean, that's for sure. If you mm. want to put me against anybody that wants to outpace me or outmuscle me, I mean, I'll do it all day long. But if you want someone on the flank that could themselves go up and take corner kicks and take free kicks and um, do perfect crosses from 
all over the pitch. I completely understand. I just never got there. Mm. Yeah. So at the height of when you were getting the caps during the late 2000s, early 2010s, did you ever have in your minds like, okay, my goal is I'm going to try to make the 2010 World Cup squad or like, you know, if it happens, it happens. What was your mentality at that time? Same advice my dad gave me. Try your best every practice, try your best every game, but just don't try to do what's above and beyond you. I mean, Right. It's mm-hmm. it's I I mean I was I'm a, I'm one of those guys that kind of gets like, one of my pet peeves is people saying oh you know but it's playoff time this is when the games get really good because that makes <laughs> it sound like oh this is when they're actually trying more and right. I and that never clicked with me I I would mm-hmm. I always tried as hard as I could every game so I mean if if what I did was not good enough then I'm not good enough period and I'm and I'm okay with that. Hmm. All right. And then our next fan question um, comes from Daniel Garza asks, what is your favorite memory representing the national team? So this kind of goes with what we were talking about. This was my favorite memory with the national team would be beating Spain in the, the Confederations Cup or Copa America? Confederations Cup 2009. Confederations Cup. That's the one. The Confederation mm-hmm. Cup 2009, and that was in the semifinals, and they had, and they were going on some crazy streak as well, like hadn't mm-hmm. lost however many games in a row, and yeah. one World Cup and all that. I mean, that was awesome. I was right on the bench, cool with it. I was still there, got to experience it all, and then you know, even the next game, we were winning 2-0 against Brazil, right? And then they were like, "Okay, we're gonna start dancing on you," and then they yeah. did. So yeah. just so that so that was, I mean, again. That whole experience was awesome, and I was really involved in it. And it was, I don't know, we were in uh, Peoria, I believe, and mm. it was, or Pretoria, and it was just, I don't know, that was that was that was so exciting. It was it was it was so exciting. Like I'm like that that's what I truly felt like. So this is what the national team is going to be like. Like going to these countries, being like having buses buses follow you, and having right. motorcycle guys follow you with with machine guns, cutting wow. off traffic, and you're just. Wow. Like you are protected. No one's allowed on your floor. You get up, get off the elevator. A guy's there with a gun, just making sure nothing else happens. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was intense. intense. Bruh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, was Peoria the um, training camp for the Confederations Cup? Because I believe the game in question against Spain, it was in Free State Stadium, Bloemfontein. Yeah. I think that's like generally what it was because the Confederations Cup is like the uh, like World Cup light, right? Right. Like yeah, it, it like has a, the all the stadiums essentially like a dress rehearsal. Yeah, so that's where we were. That's what that's where we know it more because like, that's where we stayed, Victoria. Yeah, that game was incredible. One of the most famous wins in U.S. soccer history. Uh, looking at the Spain lineup that started that game, one player removed essentially from the lineups that they would use throughout their World Cup winning run a year later. So an incredible achievement there. And even to take Brazil to a 3-2 loss, I think it showed that there's a lot of growth in this program. So being a part of that squad must have been so much fun. I enjoyed myself. It was, it was again, it felt like, I felt like a, like a boy around men. I got like, what am I doing on this stage? What am I doing right by this stage? I'm touching the grass, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So the next question we have here. So I initially wanted to ask you, was it difficult to adjust playing the Toronto FC after establishing yourself at the Red Bulls 
And, um, but since you were traded to where the coach that drafted you now coached at Toronto FC, so did that make the transition easier? So I was just insulted. I was, you know, I didn't want to get traded. It felt like, you know, you know, right. you know this is not great. But the other little bit of uh, advice my dad gave me was being traded is never a negative. That just means someone wants you more than where right. you are now. Right. Um, and in doing so, yeah, it was Mo Johnson. So I was comfortable with him. But what made it better was um, Mo Adu was there. And we had played a lot of soccer together growing up. And right. I think he was number one overall that year um, in, the, in his draft, I believe. Um, I know he was rookie of the year, that's for sure. So it was great seeing him. Um, oh, yeah. Well, they have a chance Myers. So, Let's see. So, he was the first overall pick in the 2007 MLS Super Draft by Toronto. Yep. Yeah. So when I went there, it was mostly I got to talk to Mo again. Like, we were boys and all that. Mm. Um, so that was cool. He kind of introduced me to the guys, and they're all super cool. But um, playing in Toronto was different because they, like, they they cared. I mean, I know I was on their <laughs> Red Bulls going to different cities and, you know, there wasn't much going on, but going to Toronto, I mean, they were like, you play for TFC? You play for TFC? Wait, you're going to say, you know, 16 win? Oh, and they're like, but they're wow. like, still nice Canadians. So they like, oh my gosh. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I ran away. <laughs> I was like, this is cool. So, you know, I felt like a, I felt like a celebrity, but, and I also felt like, you know, it was, it was like a thing to do. Like you run into anybody, you know, we're seeking ticket holders, we're seeking ticket holders. Um, wow. but the actual playing in Toronto as well. I mean, the city's amazing. Everything's great. Um, to know that you get to pay taxes twice in States and Canada, that's annoying and frustrating. Oh, but, um, oh man. But, yeah, and even then the turf wasn't that bad because we were at the Meadowlands for the Red Bulls initially. So I played on turf there and then I played for turf for three years with Toronto. Mm. And so it would end up that turf is the bane of every pro soccer player's existence. They hate it. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the big guys come through the DCs yeah. and say, I'm not playing on turf. Yeah. It makes sense. We get it. Oh, but yeah. I mean, I guess the hardest part about that was uh, the taxes thing. Other than that, everything else was pretty cool and great. Awesome. And then was playing soccer living in Canada much different than in the United States? Was it that um, the altitude, or I guess the, excuse me, the temperature difference? Was that? too big or anything that made it different than the United States? It was just a little frustrating um, with the temperature. I mean, it was cold, but at the same time, you, you knew you were playing cold. That's not so bad. Mm. But um, I guess the worst thing is just every time we traveled at the time, because Montreal wasn't in it, Vancouver wasn't in it, we had to go through customs. Oh, so yeah. Even our travel was just that much longer and that much more frustrating. And I think for our first year, Mo Johnston, if we had a game, in California, we would still we would fly out that Friday, not train at all, and then go and play the game on Saturday. Like oh was, wow! Yeah, he, he 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 was definitely a, even he was a former player. He was definitely a player's coach, but wasn't what wasn't wasn't exactly what we needed. Right, right, right. and that kind of makes a little more sense now because as Canadian teams got added to the league a few years later, and as maybe travel got a bit easier. And due to COVID, maybe we took a few steps back there. But uh, Toronto started to perform better. And, you know, it was a tough first few years as an expansion franchise. But uh, fortunately, you weren't there to experience, like, Sebastian Jovinko and those players come through to Toronto FC. But they found their feet eventually. Yeah, they did. We, we knew that they were willing to throw money at the mm. team. They just didn't really know how or where. Right. So mm -hmm. they just wow. kept, you know, like, we, didn't, we need this player. Then we need this player. Then we need this player. And it was just 
Okay, bye. Hi, bye, guys. I say <laughs> Dwayne De Rosario, a, a beloved figure in San Jose Quakes. He was there for Toronto FC a, a bit. <laughs> yeah, I played with Dwayne. Yeah. Yeah. I know D Row, but I know D Row well. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. You played five seasons for the Rapids. Why do you think you and the Rapids were such a good fit? I would have to say because of our back line. So Darius Smith was the first one to make me a center back because they were, um, I think their player Julian Baudet and um, was injured. And he was like, well, I see you coming in. So my whole trade experience was I was uh, traded on Wednesday, getting ready to play Columbus for Toronto. Mm. Um and on, but I get a call saying I was trading. So Thursday, I actually fly to LA because the Rapids are playing Chivas on Friday. Mm. So I meet my coach and I meet my roommate on Thursday. And then Friday morning, the day of the game, I meet everybody at breakfast. And then we go out and play that afternoon or evening. So um, why we really molded, I think it was like the welcome. I mean, that's awesome. Kimura on my right. Matt Pickens in goal, Drew Moore next to me, and Danny Earls, who was my roommate at the time. Like, this, the communication and how welcoming and fun it was, it just kind of fit. I, I can't really explain why, but yeah, we played very well. And then once you just go right in front of us with Jeff Leonowitz and Pablo Mascherini, then you have Omar Cummings and um, Connor Casey up top, Brian Mullen brought experience, then we had Jamie Smith. I mean, those that's those starting guys. It was a nice compilation of veterans mixed with high energy and mm. like the youthful aspect of really wanting to do something. So, right. I mean, and Gary Smith was a was a great coach. He had boring boring um, training sessions, but after <laughs> each training session, you knew exactly what he wanted from you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So then, sorry, I lost my spot briefly. So, <laughs> my bad. So you got to play with Quincy Amariqua, who we had the pleasure of interviewing in a previous podcast. What was he like as a teammate? The man talks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the man talks a lot. It's almost like whatever, like the joke was, like whatever you're talking about right now, Quincy has a major in. And he double majored in whatever you're about to talk about next. Right. Like he's just like like he just always has answers to things, and it was he was just talkative, but he was he was funny to have in the locker room. Like it would just he would just he would just either talk smack or just give a weird <laughs> look over at someone for some reason. But you just start laughing because you know he's just he's just a jokester. He's just having a good time, <laughs> trying to get I mean, in your long, head. As long as things go his way, he yeah he tries to get in your head. But I never had, I never had that fun like playing against Quincy, um, but. He would just tell me, he would just walk up to the guys and be like, bro, I'm in your head. I got you. Like, <laughs> I, 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 like, you would just do that straight up. And it's just like, that's awesome. Like, that's funny. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he would say it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I've seen the guy do it in practice. If, even in practice, he has that, like, that bumpy walk that he has because, you know, his, his legs are unproportional, like one leg longer than the other. So he kind of has, like, this strut thing or it's always on his toes. But he's like, oh. <laughs> Like it's, yeah. just, it's just funny. So, so did Marv. you often have to play each other in practice? <laughs> well, we played each other in practice all the time. And it was it was always physical because it was always fast. And we're, we're, we're very similar body, we're very similar builds. Um, we're both known for being fast and strong. So playing against each other, it would be a lot of like trying to show them one way. They'll probably do one move. We try to hold off a little bit. And, 
you know, he definitely had a fair share of goals. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. out, but, you know, it was, it was, it was just fun to play against him. It was one of those, this is, oh, I got to go against Quincy. But at the same time, it's like, this is good for me. Right. I don't want to mm-hmm. be in a comfortable place because I don't grow that way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really quickly, we asked Quincy on our podcast if he had his championship ring laying around. Do you still have yours as well? I am currently in Denver. So I do not have mine on me, mm. but mine is in, in Quincy, Illinois, where home is. So okay. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Does, right. your, does yours have Marvell on it or does it have Wynn? Because Quincy's actually has Quincy on it and not America. Really? Yeah. Uh, mine has Wynn on it. Oh, okay. Mine has Wynn, my number. Uh, I think he has a score of did, – did he show it to you? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So we, we saw it. We have it. Yeah, it's nice. There's a lot of information on there. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it's it's crazy. But uh, I, I guess I, do, I still have my ring. I wasn't going to show it to you guys, but definitely still got it. Yeah, Quincy yeah, was saying – Quincy was saying that he's, he's, I think, the only professional player to have his first name on a championship ring. So, <laughs> good to find out that you have win on yours. Yeah. But, but, like, in my head, Quincy would do that on purpose so he could be the only one. Like, who else would think <laughs> of that except for someone who wanted to do that on purpose, you know? Right, right. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So, tell us about that 2010 season and the run to the MLS Cup. Were there many people shocked? that the Rapids made and the FC Dallas made the finals? Like, was, was there any talks in the locker room? Like, yeah, nobody really knows us that well here or. Yeah, that's what I would think. It felt more like a rebuilding year sort of thing because mm. uh, I think Drew Moore, Jeff Lorenowitz may have come midway through the previous season. And then when you look at our team in the finals, I think that got there this, that, that same year or, or in 2010 was me, Brian Mullen, uh, Makuma Kanji ended up playing. Anthony Wallace was the left back. Mm. Um, I think we might have added one or two more, but it was just kind of bringing a few, a lot, a few guys together and seeing what they can do. And right. we all surprised ourselves. I mean, we we loved having Jeff and Paolo in the center of the park. I mean, we basically played with two defensive mids. So our whole plan was, you are not scoring us. We might score a goal, but if we do, you're not scoring on us. Like yeah. that's, that was like our whole our whole thing, and we were all kind of on the same page. It felt so comfortable, a feeling that I haven't felt on any other team professionally. The closest one would be when I went to San Jose, but mm. when we got on the field, it was just it was just comfortable. Like before I got the ball, I knew where I was going. They knew what I was thinking, and then we just kind of moved like a like a machine. And yeah. We all knew what was going on. Um, Dallas, on the other hand, they had gone on some run where they had had so many games one in a row or or um, taking no losses at home or some mm. kind of record breaking season and they were they were they were the hot team i remember when uh, it became us in the finals it was pretty scary because we hadn't lost to them throughout the season but i think we tied them both times yeah so mm-hmm. just on paper of what we had what had happened throughout the year was man this is going to be another one like right. so we just I mean, just leading up to it, I was I was nervous as gonna be, but I was happy because Precky traded me from Toronto earlier that year. He got he he got canned in the summer, so mm. I took I took <laughs> pleasure in that, which I shouldn't have. And the finals back <laughs> in Toronto, so I mean, I was on one. I was I was like, this is, this is meant to be. Let's see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. So, um, you also beat uh, Sam's at Earthquakes in the process in the conference final. It was an odd system where because there were six teams that qualified from the Western conference and two from the Eastern conference that two teams from the West had to go through the East and it ended up being Rapids and 
Quakes booting out the only Eastern Conference teams that year. And then in a defensive showdown, Rapids got the 1-0 winner of the Quakes. Uh, in hindsight, having played for both teams, uh, can you, what was that game like? And did it make it a bit awkward at first going to the San Jose Earthquakes? It, I never really held grudges against other teams because um, I never had to go to a rival team. Like when I was on New York, they're like, right. I mean, there wasn't really like a, a rival that I really was supposed to be about. I know it's supposed to be Chicago, but I was like, I, I don't get it. Then we go to Toronto, <laughs> like, Columbus is your rival for the Trillium Cup. I was like, okay. But when I went to Colorado, instantly, very first game against Salt Lake, it was just bam. Like, like you guys hit hard with an elbow or something. You're like, Oh, okay, so we're playing now. So, <laughs> so, like, that never really got awkward. Like, if I got traded to Salt Lake, I would have felt weird. I would have felt awkward. San Jose, right. nah, not so much. And even in that game, I mean, I think Kosuke Kimura, like, he kicked a long ball that happened to jump over the keeper. And I think that, that, that's how we ended up winning that one. So, even in that game, it was still tough. And, I mean, I always had respect. Oh, respect. But I also – it was a joke for the center backs, uh, <laughs> any defender. When you play against the Bash Brothers, you play against Lenny and who's the other big dude? Uh, Alan Gordon. Alan Gordon. It was just, where's your bruise? Like, we'd be in the locker room, <laughs> like, oh, wait, there's one. And it's just a black and blue patch, or it's on your side, or oh, it's well. on your neck. Because they would just scrap and scrape. Like, for, like <laughs> that's just how they play. Like, we're getting up for a head or whatever, and they just automatically go and grab and scrape. I don't even know if it's malicious. They're just <laughs> crazy guys. <laughs> but oh yeah, so that's the only thing I had against him. But even though, even then, it wasn't like, well, these guys are doing it on purpose. It was just yeah. they're grabbers. They're grabbers. Yeah. makes sense. All right. So, do you do you still keep in contact with the 2010 MLS Winning Cup team? Um, other than the Broncos Super Bowl, you have a leg up against any other Denver team in the last decade. Maybe it bonds you guys together. <laughs> Um, only a little bit. I mean, this is supposed to be the 10 year anniversary and there was actually supposed right. to be a plan of having, um, everybody they could come in when Nashville played against the Rapids because basically our entire coaching staff is on Nash. It's the Nashville coaching staff now. Oh, well, Gary Smith to, um, to, uh, John Ireland, the fitness trainer, uh, and, and Steve Goupe, the assistant coach, and even Brett, another assistant coach. Like, we've had wow. we have a couple guys there. So when they were going to come by, we're going to be like, all right, we're going to have, you know, a dinner. We're going to spend a weekend together. And then we're going to try to fly in Pablo in there as well. But COVID happened. So right. um, I don't really talk to too many guys. But, I mean, Drew Moore, I was recently on a podcast with him. He's a great mm. guy. I, him and Clint Irwin are back. So yeah. <laughs> Which is great. And then, um, yeah, again, another one of those names just kind of fade away. Anthony Wallace is just a great guy. So I keep him kind of mm -hmm. looking a little bit. But, um, yeah, I miss I miss me some. I still get to watch Jeff Lerenowicz play. Right. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't plan on retiring anytime soon, I don't think. <laughs> he doesn't look like it, does he? He still looks sprightly. I mean, he's moved his way back to center back sometimes. But clearly that's just a leadership role. You can tell he's a leader. They want him on the field in any capacity because he knows what he's doing and he knows how to get the most out of his teammates. Right. Yeah. He's a great teammate for sure. Um, because of what you were able to uh, accomplish uh, with the Rapids uh, and including winning that 
MLS Cup on BMO Field, which was important to you as you played with Toronto previously. Was it hard to say goodbye when you made that move from Rapids to the Quakes? Yeah, that one was tough. And um, mm-hmm. what, what made it tough was Pablo Mastroni had become the head coach at the time. Right. And, mm. But he kind of just walked me through the whole process in terms of, look, man, like, I just, there's just so much stuff going on behind the scenes that I didn't know about uh, being a player. And there's just a lot going on, man. So, you know, I mean, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to keep you around, man, but uh, you know, we'll see. And just the way you talked to me about that, like, I don't know, like exit interview and all that, I knew it was going to be let go. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know where in the world I was going. This is when like, Oh, you'll be a free agent, whatever, you know, in the free agency world of MLS, which is right. <laughs> going to be a, a draft anyway. And then they have to give you a bona fide offer and all this other stuff. So um I did not want to leave. I I had bought a place here. I was very at home. I was very comfortable, but mm. that's the, the 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 writing was on the wall. So I was kind of I was kind of mentally prepared myself. Um, which you you, you travel a lot in the uh, right. as a professional soccer player. So I knew I was going to be out. I just didn't know where, but I was open to it. Just all right. Let's see what may happen. So how did it? How did playing for the Quakes come to fruition? Did someone give you a call? Um, who was the first person from the Quakes organization to talk to? I think the first person to talk to me was Dusty, Dustin Clover. I think it's Dustin Clover. Yeah. I think was a was a team manager at the time. But the first person to tell me was my friend Lisa. I was like, "Congrats, you're going to you're back in California." I was not supposed to go to the Quakes. Um, so when they told <laughs> about this bona fide offer thing. I was actually going to go to Vancouver oh, wow. with, Carl, with Carl Robinson, who I had played with with Toronto. Yeah, he had, They had had negotiations with my agent. They said, okay, this is what we have here. And when you're doing a bona fide offer, someone from MLS is like, they pretty much analyze you and they go about your stats and they basically come up with a number that you're basically worth. Mm. And Vancouver's was higher than San Jose's. Oh, wow. So, so it's not like mm-hmm. one person going around. They have like regions and zones. So Vancouver's like, okay, done deal. We just got, we just got to wait for our time to come in the draft. And we got you. I'm like, cool, no problem. And so I'm sitting there waiting. And then I get a text from my friend saying, yeah, you're going back to California. I'm like, it's my agent. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on? Like, what's going on? Because he hadn't talked to Dom at all. Um, he hadn't talked to anybody up there with the Quakes um, before. But I guess Dom just saw an opportunity. He's like, I like him as a player. He was actually my coach when, like, Generation Adidas went over to, I believe, Spain. Mm. So he had actually coached me before, uh, which is so funny. But then he's like, you know what, Marvo? Yeah, we, we actually want you here. We're not using as any bargaining chip, bargaining chip or anything. I think you can really add to our back line and all that oh, wow. stuff. So I was like, all right, man, let's, let's see how this goes. And – Man, we we were we had a good defense. <laughs> yeah, in 2015, I thought we were I thought we were absolutely solid. So you gotta give respect to Dominic Kinnear. He knew what he was talking about when he brought me in. He really did. Talking about your Quake playing days, um, was the what was the training like with Dom Kinnear as the coach? Any players in particular you had trouble defending or locked you up, <laughs> or you locked up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. See, that's that's always gonna be up in the air for me as well because I would never think that I like after one game you might have someone in your pocket but if you play them so many times then it's just right they get you sometimes you get them sometimes 
um, I forgot you forget his name that used to play on the left side and um, from the Latin America. Uh, MPG. He, he was drafted with me. Oh, no, 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 not him. Oh, he was, he was, he was predictable. He's very skillful, but he's predictable. In his, in his way of being unpredictable. Uh, I know who you're talking about. He got he got loaned to Chivas, right? Um, I forgot his I name. So because he came the same. It was me, Sano Nayasi, yeah, and, and him at the same time. But we would go against each other all the time. I mean, just constantly. And we never really like one never really bested the other. I mean, once he had yeah. his days, like he was on. I mean, he was tricky. He was hard to cover. But then some days he was a little Ooh. off. I would get in. Leandro Barrera. Yep. Barrera, that's it. Yeah, there we go. So, I mean, so he and I, he's the one I remember the most going against over and over again. Mm. Um, yeah. Other than that, other guys, other guys, of course, cause you trouble. They're professional players. But right. he was the one that I would <sighs> actually go against a lot. Actually, him and Jay Salinas a lot, actually. Oh, and Jay. <laughs> Jay's, Jay's just, you know, obviously he's way more direct um, than Barrera. But he's, but, he's, but, he's, but he's, he's smart and he still moves around in no way is an easy guy to defend. It's just. Those were the two guys that I would go against the most. That's yeah, awesome. the clash of styles usually. Like everyone is there for a reason. Everyone's talented, of course, but it, it's like rock paper scissors. Sometimes they get you yep. more than others. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, what was it like playing in front of the Quakes fans, uh, whether it be Bookshaw Stadium or Avaya slash Earthquake Stadium? I'm not sure if you played in both, but just in general. Yeah, I just I just played against the Quakes at Buckshaw. I I was fortunate right. enough to be in this hoity toity Avaya Stadium <laughs> at the time, which was Largest which bar. was awesome. Which was yeah. aw- which was awesome. I mean, Avaya, I I really enjoy that stadium. I think it's great. Um, but it, but even it shows just how much tunnel vision I have. I didn't understand or know what their like fan section was. Mm. Like I like I like I had no idea what the ultras were, or I I wouldn't even. I wouldn't give them a second thought because of how in the zone I was when I played against the Quakes. Yeah. But once I was on the Quakes and seeing them, they're just like the rowdiest guys. And it's just like, all they want is just like, you know, the, the, us to look back. And then Wando obviously gives his appreciation at the end of every game. I'm yeah. Like, that's nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's very subtle, but it's like, that's nice. I like that they do that. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. Which head coaches do you think were the- easier to get on their good side or along with get right get with right away so i have to think mo johnson i think mo johnson really wanted me to be his little baby and take me under his wing mm. um so i think he liked me Precky was by far the worst <laughs> I, like, he's, he's just i mean sasha question told me about him coming from chivas and he was like he's like yeah Precky's just tough and he's and he's not not cool i'm like yeah but is that something that you guys need like you guys need a little tough he's like not cool <laughs> all right and that's, i don't know that's just the way it was like there was no mm-hmm. real sam cronin played for the quakes um mm-hmm. he actually got on Precky's good side because he was like the one person to pass like a fitness thing that he had mm-hmm. and there's there's levels there's either you know he's really fit and he's the only one who passed but Precky went with no one's fit except for him it's like wow <laughs> Come on, man. So he made it his little baby, but even then, it was there was no real comments to have or anything like that. Uh, Gary Smith, I thought he was a great coach just because he you knew where you stood at all times, and it wasn't hard to please him. If just if you did what you were supposed to do, he appreciated it. He saw it, and you can be on the field the next day. Um, I like Dominic Kinnear. He's mm-hmm. quick witted. He's 
got this dry sense of humor that always makes you laugh and stuff. So yeah, um, I enjoyed mm-hmm. I enjoyed playing for him as well. So I I, I had a variety of coaches, and uh, I would say those are the ones that, that kind of stick out to me the most. Yeah, a good callback. Sam Cronin, uh, Wake Forest, paved the way for another Wake Forest player that's tearing it up in the Premier League right now, uh, Jack Harrison. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Um, with the San Jose Earthquakes, do you have any uh, fond memories uh, with the organization? Maybe it could be on the pitch, it could be off the pitch, like maybe uh, a night out with some friends or uh, exploring San Jose. Well, the, what I like most about San Jose Alves is going to be it's going to be my teammates. Um, we love yeah. playing twenty two, just shooting, just, just playing card games on the bus, or right. um, or wine and dine events are when we can really have a good time. And I'm not trying to plug that as in everyone should go and try to get a wine and dine event and donate and all this other stuff. But <laughs> those were so much fun. They were just fun, like every single year, because you got all the guys Napa. together. Yeah, oh man, if you can go to Napa, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you just got all the guys together, and so like you know, it's, it's you're still a little you know a little stiff, a little nervous because you got like you know the season ticket holders and you want to make you know make yourself look good and all that. But then you start getting a little loose for one reason or another, where you get more comfortable. Whatever, <laughs> just, now you're just hanging out with all your boys, and you realize all these people that you're sitting at the table with are cool too. Like. They just want to talk. They just want to know more about you. They just want to hang out. Like, right. In no way are they like the, you know, like completely in your brain and just want to know everything, every single thing about you. But they're hanging out. They just want to have a good time. So it just ends up being just fun for everyone involved. That's awesome. Was there any moments from from those wine and dines where you're like, oh, they shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have done that? Too many, too many cubs. <laughs> well. N- not the ones that I've been a part of, mm. uh, except for one where Jackson said kept standing up on the on the chair. He got he, he got talked to on the side, but it was, it was fun. Um, one thing <laughs> Quincy because they do like a little auction thing, and Quincy's like, "Who wants this?" Wait, what? Because it's like for the kids or whatever. He's like, "If you don't bid on this, you hate kids." And <laughs> do you want to see that you hate kids? Like, I mean, he would like. So he went up there and it was it was an absolute riot. I mean, he won everybody he won everybody heart over like immediately. And I think that was in fifth. I think that might have been sixteen because it was that was just it was just too great. It was so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So on your decision to retire, we're gonna talk a little bit uh, about that. So, Take us back right. to when yeah, so. you first heard about your regular heartbeat, large aortic root. Yeah, so the entrance physical for the 2017 season, um, we we go to this full testing, we go to orthopedic surgeons, um, we get EKGs done, and when I got mine done, my QT angle, I believe it is, is when, you know, they do an electronic, electric pulse, and you're supposed to just have a direction of going like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I got mine done, and it actually went back up like that, and I don't even know what that means. But they said, okay, you need extra screening. It's actually me and two other players went to go get extra screening because something didn't come up right. But when it came to me during my echo, they actually saw that my aortic root was a little bit enlarged. And Mm. an aortic root should be anywhere between 2.5 and 3 centimeters, I believe. Wow. And mine was around 4. And they – so it's a bit big, but they also would never do surgery unless it's about 5. Oh, wow. you know, so it was interesting. So – the Sutter Health people, they say, you should really go see a cardiovascular specialist at Stanford. So they send me up to Stanford. They do more screens. 
they do out they do like genetic testing to see if there is anything wrong at all and there's nothing in the history really but they say you know your aortic root is is too large for us to you know put you out there to play it's anywhere between my readings have gone 4.4 and 4.8 and they're saying you know if it's a bit big it's like filling up a water balloon so it's just wow and then you then you have a dissection and then you're you know, they never said, then you die. There's like, then we're going to be in a lot of, they're going to be in a serious situation. Um, right now, your probability of having a section on the field is about 1%. Wow. Um, but that's still too high for me. So mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what the doctor was saying to me. So he's like, well, you can either retire now and live a relatively normal life. You just have to do modified workouts or we can go in there with surgery and we can guarantee you that not, I don't know if it's a guarantee, but we can get you back on the field. We've done this before. We know what we're doing. We got you on this. And I treated it like an injury. It, it was, I was pretty ignorant of the whole time. Like I wasn't thinking that they're going to open up my chest and stop my heart and all this other stuff. And that could be potentially dangerous. I just, right. I just felt so comfortable and just wanting to play soccer again, kind of like that tunnel vision I had in college. Like there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I want to play soccer again. So yeah, go for it. Do it. That might've been, that was an easier decision than for me to go pro would just cut me open. That's fine. Yeah. I'll have, I'll have a bad day. I'll have two bad days. I don't care. Um, get me going. So mm. we, we start talking about that. Um, I get it done March 23rd, 2017. Um, it went really, really well. Everything went well. It was about a nine hour surgery, but once wow. it was done, like, you know, I imagine like he comes out, he takes off his mask. He's talking to my mom and he's saying, I'm actually really glad we went in there. She's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, your the, his aortic root, the tissue was actually a lot thinner than what it's dilation meant. So wow. instead of it being like 4.4 to 4.8, it was actually closer to maybe five, 5.2. Wow. So that is when they would have that surgery. And then, I mean, he didn't give me numbers, but that would bring like, my dissection odds to maybe three to four percent wow and if you think we play 34 36 games a year practice yeah daily it's in i mean what all is it going to take so um it was actually amazing that i actually went in for it so when people ask me you know would you have rather played in any of the league or would your career have gone any a different way if it all led to my life being saved by Sarah health and then stanford right yeah. What am I going to say? You know yeah. I mean? um, so then after that, um, I had just signed a new contract in 2017. And so MLS paid me for the first six months. And they mm. just stopped paying me all of a sudden. And they're saying, well, well, actually, we look back and your contract's actually void because you didn't pass an extra physical. And I was like, well, you could have told me that before. And, you know, I would have at least had time to plan or save or something and not been like doing everything I could. And by the way, I'm... I'm doing very well. Like I should be cleared to play. Like, so let's go get tested. Right. They're like, well, you said that, or well, your surgeon said that you will be back to play within eight to eight to 10 months. And it's only been six. And I was like, yeah, but he said that in terms of me getting um, fit enough for that, for the professional level. Mm. He didn't understand that I was fit before because i was just in preseason 
right. I had had surgery and I was in the hospital for just a week. Wow. And now I started doing fitness again. I couldn't do chest, stuff in my chest and push-ups and things because that was the biggest part. The whole, everything that happened inside of my, inside of my chest was, was done. They fixed it. That's it. Everything else was the pain of actually having my chest plate oh, yeah. back up again. Um, so once that was done after six months, I'm like, fine, let's go see, let's go see a cardiologist. Let's go get it checked out. He comes back. He says, well, there might be a little bit of swelling with the organic tissue and the artificial material are sewn together. So I don't really know yet. We should wait. I'm like, no. Yeah. Second opinion. Let's go. No more. Let's go. Let's go. So we get another opinion and he's saying, all right, so, so this is at Mayo Clinic. They apparently put my case in uh, anonymously amongst a board and they're saying you have a 30 year old African-American male. who just had heart surgery. Would you let them play professional soccer? And say do that near zero risk. No doctor is going to say anyone is at near zero risk risk for anything. So right, that was the ultimate decision. Um, I tried fighting it for as long as I could, seeing who else we can talk to, what else we can do. MLS wasn't budging. They, they not only were they budging, they wouldn't give me the proper. You cannot play anymore. It was just egging on. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Wow. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So this was a bad phase of uh, me not being paid me not getting disability and so I, I went through i was depressed for i think it was november december mm. and january going from 2017 to 2018 because i didn't i was i was just dead in the water I, I i didn't know where to go or what to do i've been playing soccer since i was three yeah and now it's just you can't play anymore yeah so, it's tough. so that was sad and then um I think disability came back or people had started talking about other things that I can do. And I started getting a little bit uplifted. So that's when I decided to post about um, my retirement. And it was funny because I posted and then I'd have friends send me uh, screenshots or their, or see their watch. Like almost better when retires, Marvell Wood. That's you. <laughs> which, which was crazy to me. Like I, like I still wouldn't think like ESPN would even post about that, but um yeah, that was, I mean, to be honest, that was, it was, it was cool. Obviously it was, it was <laughs> sad and all, but, uh, oh yeah. yeah. By the way, Ricky Dorego, I'm not sure how you say his last name, but they're like the team manager for the quicks at the time. He's the one that officially retired me because I had the video, I had it all written out, but I couldn't, I couldn't send it. I couldn't post it. It's like, Ricky, retire me. <laughs> so, he's, so he's the one who, uh, who actually pressed the send button. He actually retired me. Oh yeah. Yeah, that must have been tough. Did the Quakes offer any backbone when you're going through all this? Did they reach out to you in ways to be like, hey, we're still with you? Or was it more of they're an MLS team and they're backing what the MLS is telling you? Jesse had my back the entire way without wow. hesitation. Oh, wow. Quakes, wow. Quakes themselves too, man, because I was, I was, I like to go up and I like to say hi to. I could go up and I like to say hi to the guys and hi to the players and all that stuff or hi to the staff and whatnot. So like, it was, it wasn't just, I'm a player. No, I'm not a player. Yeah. Mar hopefully it was like, Oh, Marvell, our friend is going through heart surgery and you know, we hope that he's all right. And that's how it was. So they, they yeah. stuck through the whole way, but Jesse, Jesse, especially he, he, like he had, there was no doubt in my mind that he would, he wanted to do everything he could for me. Wow. Right. That's I'm awesome. glad that was the case. And yeah. during this whole process, like 2017, when you're on the sidelines or not even on the sidelines, you're trying to recover. And 2018, when it was made official, 
what was the support from your friends, family? Uh, how, what role did they play in helping you get through this? They just let me do whatever I wanted to do. I went into training, mm -hmm. everything. So at the time, I couldn't drive myself. So my mom was picking me up and dropping me off on soccer practice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, she like, she'd, she'd pick me up. Um, well, she, she stayed at my house. So she picked me up or she would drive me to the stadium. She dropped me off. Uh, for about two hours and during that time I would you know just shuffle my way as much as I could over to a treadmill mm. and I'd walk for an hour and do whatever I could then I'd send her a call send her a text and she'd come pick me up and then after that it was just I was just in the gym just lifting and sprinting and doing every workout I possibly can on the field so right. like I understand when there were um, when professional players get injured and say oh I'm coming back I'm as fit as I've ever been like I get it because you're not you're mm -hmm. not playing the sport. You're just doing everything that's physically required of you in the gym. So you're just you're just the beast. Like you're not right. worried about you know what's technically just like you know like grab the ball. Like if it's football, you know get the ball, run tags and all that. You're just in the gym, just getting as fit as possible and, and stretching. Right. So I mean, it's a good feeling being fit and ready to go. Just you know, people supported me. Just you know, looking at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Just. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> from like here to here there's just no, there's just nothing but just trap <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> so did you th this is going to be kind of a oddball question but relative to now did you see ted ramey at that gym at all or <laughs> did you ever did yeah. you ever <laughs> put ted ramey at the gym because he's an avid i know crossfitter and likes to power lift and things like that did you ever see him in the gym at the quakes or at least or anything i never I never saw him in our gym, but we definitely swap gym stores now. But because we're because he has his own home gym, and I'm trying to make mine and make it make it nice. So yeah, um, he's a big kettlebell fan. I don't have any kettlebells yet, but he loves himself some kettlebells. That's awesome. But every now and then he'll talk to me about like, yeah, Marva just went on a run. You know, it was cool. I, you know, whatever. Just get this. And then he sent me a picture of him like jumping on top of like a four foot tall wall. He's like. Not a bad vert for forty or something like that. I'm like, you, you, you get it, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, as well as doing any sort of physical activity under the sun, uh, what other activities did you do uh, with your playing days behind you? Maybe some uh, Final Fantasy to allude to one of your preferences earlier. <laughs> oh man, I do, I do love some Final Fantasy, and then they're making a Final Fantasy VII remake. I might have to get on that and just. Just love all that nostalgia, but um, Classic, I started, yeah. I, yeah, I started running. Um, I would never think of myself as a runner, but it's so different when, because because I, I, I had to fill a void of competition. So it's like I better compete against myself. So, a couple ten k's, and then like, I ended up doing five half marathons, and I wanted to work my way up to you know a full one. But um, I talked to a few former professional runners, and they're like, man, I mean. If you, eh, I don't, I don't know. Like they, they kind of talked me out of it because like it really hurts your knees, it really hurts your hips. Oh wow! Like the training for it, and then they're like, well, you have to do one, do Boston. That's amazing. I'm like, don't you have to qualify? They're like, oh yeah, that's more running. So they actually kind of <laughs> talked me out of it. So now on the side, um, so now since it's all done, um, I've uh, gone back to school with Stetson mm. HU, going for uh, community health education. I'm a certified. Uh, 200 uh, y, uh, RYT yoga instructor. Wow. And now I'm taking courses to become um, an NASM uh, personal trainer. That's awesome. So even when I was in school, if I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, I wanted to 
train them, work with them, and help them get to that level. So I guess I can just uh, try to go for that now. And since we're in Quincy, Illinois, it's only two hours north of St. Louis. So if they're going to need a trainer with some experience, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. San, San Jose is busy. They got They got their own setup going. I got to go to <laughs> you guys, see if they want me. Um, uh, really quickly, I know you're a pretty big gamer. Have you ever thought about like Twitch streaming or Facebook streaming? Oh, yeah. A lot of people I, watch that. I've 100% thought about that. I kind of want to send a DM to FIFA and be like, FIFA, if you get me my card and then like once a week, we just challenge people. And if they beat me, they can get my card. Are you down? <laughs> And I'll, and I'll just like play with fans or uh, kids. I'm also like um, helping coach this junior, this uh, junior college over in Quincy as well. That's so awesome. I was like, you know, maybe we, me and one, when I, when, uh, one of my players can play and like we'd go against other teams and see if they'll even, I mean, even go for something like that. It could be fun. It could be something different, right? Yeah, no, I, I think you would have a pretty big backing. I mean, at least in San Jose, if you had a Twitch stream or anything like that, I think there would be a lot of people interested in watching you game. And especially if you if you had something on FIFA or you have a Twitch stream and then you, you contact EA and be like, hey, like, I want to do this. They would – I mean, you're a pretty big MLS, like, pace legend. So, I'm, I mean, I, they think it would be a pretty – everybody in the FIFA community knows you. So, it would be like, oh, <laughs> Marvel win, that's awesome, you know. So well, Look, if yeah. you want to dictate it, let me know. If you want to write it out, <laughs> hey, FIFA, I'm at Marvel win 22 – Marvel win 22, and I will, I will send it to them because – Again, it's 2020. People are staying inside. Video games make people happy. Right. Podcasts make people happy. Twitch makes people happy. I say, let's, let's just go for it. If you guys want to yeah, be maybe. part of this, if you guys want to be my partners in this, let's do this. You know, I'm yeah, I'm, hey, maybe we'll get Kelly S. Yeah, we'll get Kelly SC, SCG in this as well. I mean, he is doing exclusively Facebook gaming, so we will have to compromise a bit if he gets involved. But still, that would be a lot of fun. The top FIFA player for the San Jose Earthquakes. Yeah. I don't discriminate at all. It can be on yeah. Twitch. It can be on Facebook gaming. I, I am yeah. cool with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, in I, I'm down. The, yeah, I'm, I'm, down I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a Teutonic Takes Gaming Hour with Marvel Win. I'm down. All right, <laughs> let's yeah. do this. Yeah. So, um, how soon after retirement did the opportunity to work with Ted Ramey on the soccer hour come come with you? Like, how did that come to fruition? How did you meet Ted Ramey? Yeah, that was a that was a couple months after because um, the earthquakes again try to just do right by me. They're like, yeah, we're sorry, this went through this and all that stuff, but you know, we would love to keep you around and find some in some capacity so before 2020 happened i would um they would fly me from quincy to san jose for game days and i would do appearances days before the game i do um pre-game halftime and post-game um, with ryan covey and then i do some more appearances afterward and throughout the week once a week they're like you want to do podcast with ted ramey i'm like yeah let's do this seen him a couple of times seems like a cool guy and mm -hmm. I mean, and now we've been doing it for almost two years. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how many episodes have you been on so far? Do you have that count? I think it's like we, we 20, we right? Like, Some like that. I mean, it's pretty much once a week when the season's on and then even postseason. So, well, yeah, it's like rough, mm -hmm. roughly. Yeah. Not a lot of podcasting. Yeah. What's, um, what's your biggest blunder you've done on air? <laughs> since we asked ted we gotta ask you too <laughs> right i man my biggest blunder i've done on air i don't i don't know i'd say it was one of, one of the first podcasts we had 
I didn't know edibles would have hit him that soon. <laughs> and I don't even think he noticed. But I was just like, I wasn't really hearing his questions. I was sleepy. I was hungry. Like, I don't even remember which one it was, but it was like one of the very first ones. And I was like, oh my gosh, he thinks, I, he thinks I'm terrible at this. But I was high, so I was like, oh well. <laughs> like I was like, oh man, so that was that might have been my my worst thing. Okay. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, it was, at it was least, just, yeah. At least you probably had experience, like when it comes to like talking about the players on the podcast, having played with so many different nationalities and languages spoken, that you didn't have much trouble pronouncing names, right? Because that's always no, something that trips people up. Yeah, it was nothing like that. It was, if anything, it was just um, trying to actually analyze the plays and things like that when I was in that state. But I mean, I mean, even 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 then, though, I mean, well, I personally. So when I went through the whole depression thing, like I went to a doctor. They're like, you know, we have therapy. You can exercise. Actually, you can't exercise anymore. They do, or you can put <laughs> you on Zoloft. And I was like, I don't want to be on Zoloft and yeah. therapy. I mean, I don't know. So. Like, what about THC? Like, I've heard that helps, whatever. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you can try that out. So, I tried that out. I mean, I would have panic attacks at night where mm-hmm. I would just wake up and my heart would be racing. Then, tried some THC, tried some edibles, and then I was right. actually able to calm down and sleep for the night. So, um, they actually helped me out medically. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to awesome. make it yeah. sound like we're doing a podcast and I'm just getting out of the kite all the time. I was, it's, it's actually, it has helped me out in the past. And I've, I've, I've had to, I've got to caper down, so I don't use it as much now, but, you know, just wanted to make that clear as well. No, 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 no right. need, no need. It's, it's totally fine. Jenna Ravy's just looking at the Zoom link like, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yo, what's going on there? <laughs> awesome. Hey, Ted, if you get to see this or whatever, Ted Ravy, we love you, dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does it help you still feel connected with the soccer community? Wait, did Ted did Ted know that, or have you ever told him that? I don't know. I was too nervous because it was like yeah. it was definitely one of the first times. I was too nervous to say anything. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if like I don't know if I can tell him. So I never. I don't. I don't know if I told him. I mean, if this is the first time he's hearing make about it, make it till you make it. Yeah. If this is the first time you make it, I knew something was up, but hopefully, hopefully, I played it off well. I don't think I did. Okay, back to the next question. Does it help you still feel connected with the soccer community? Like yeah, being on the soccer it hour? Does. Yeah. yeah, it does. And it, 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 you know, forces me to watch more. So yeah. We're talk about a lot of different things, you know, hear about what's going on on headlines and things like that. So it actually gets me more involved than I was when I was actually playing. When I was actually playing, I didn't watch very many games on my own, um, mm. looking at opposition and stuff. It's like, we're, if we're playing a team next, we have video sessions that are specifically geared towards exactly what you should be doing. So just watching for fun, yeah, it wasn't really real, but now I get to watch it and analyze it and then get to actually talk about it later. Yeah. So it's just, it's made soccer more fun. I'm almost, I'm almost more involved now just in my whole life than right. I am just with just my job. Awesome. Yeah. So I do have one last question for you before we get into the fan questions. And this is sort of unrelated, but since it is technically your post-retired life and something that's relevant, uh, how was Halloween for you this year? Like, what did you do to deal with any possible trick-or-treaters? Did you decorate or was it significantly different because of COVID? It was not that significantly different because there was a group of friends that had been socially distancing 
so they could attend a birthday get together with like five people. Mm. So it was just a, it was like a nice compact group of friends that got to hang out and basically just tell old stories. I'm still, we were just in costumes and I didn't have a costume because, so I drove out here to be for my, here for my friend's 40th, which is on the 29th. That's awesome. So then, so the, yeah, so then Halloween is just a couple of days later and I didn't mm-hmm. really pack anything. So a friend of ours just said, just wear all black. So I wore all black. <laughs> she had like, she had like two little wrist things and a belt and a bandana. It's like, you're a pirate. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I, was a, so I was a pirate and I, and I had a good time with some of my friends. You could say it was all a right. monster mash, right? No. <laughs> the first right. question um mike comes from mike pizzo he says miss seeing you and hope you are in your best health have you given any thought to coaching at the professional level you'll be a, you would be a great coach and a terrific role model mentor and people person so and then this notion was also seconded by martin um Lingastad, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hi, Mike Pizzo. I know that dude. Um, great guy. Hope you're doing well. Um, I have thought about it, and I'm, and I was supposed to go to coaching courses. I was gonna go for, I think, straight to my A or B, straight to my B, and then work on my A. But mm. COVID happened, so they still right. like canceled all the all the all the coaching uh, clinics. So I have thought about coaching on a professional level. I was actively pursuing it until things have gotten delayed and kind of stretched and spread out. But there is a new uh, schedule set out to go into 2021. So I'm most likely going to uh, take in courses then. That's awesome. That's great news. All right. So uh, Jared Connell on Facebook asks, uh, since you played with Red Bulls Toronto and Colorado, most of your time at Colorado, how did you come to identify and connect so strongly with San Jose compared to those other clubs, if that's the case? Because they stuck, they stuck with me in such a bad time. Like Jesse really was like, awesome. we will take care of you. We will do everything that we can. Um, in no way am I saying that the other teams wouldn't have done the same thing in a similar scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they That's just, just did. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just, just how it happened. Uh, Toronto mm-hmm. definitely wanted to make you feel at home, wanted to make you feel like a superstar, wanted to make you feel good. Um, Colorado was just – they were more humble – about things but like we were all in a very like the players themselves were in a much tighter group mm. um like the san jose we're cool guys when we're together but we live in such different areas i mean it'd be like a half hour to try to get to like the next person and try to you know figure yeah out right out. but uh colorado everyone was downtown everybody hung out all the time. so <laughs> yeah. it was just it was a it was a cool group but I mean, the love for San Jose will always be there because if I think yeah. about my heart, I think about San Jose. Yeah, right. The way they treated me. Yeah, you can't go a day without thinking about your heart. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's actually really good to hear the stuff about Jesse Fornelli because he does get a lot of heat from you know Quakes media, at least from the fans. So it's actually really nice to hear finally some. Yeah, from us. I mean, media, wink, wink. No, but it's great to hear that he's a really good person and a really good friend and someone that would stick up for you in this time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't give enough props to Jesse in the way that he, uh, that he helped me through this. Again, that, that's one aspect of who he is. I, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever criticisms you guys had for him, sure, they're valid. I mean, yeah. don't, don't take that away in any way. But, you know, from my particular situation, 
he he really was there for me. That's awesome. Oh yeah, we advocate like you know we'll definitely try to ensure that our criticisms for players, coaches, everybody, it's criticism in the soccer sense. Right. We know that 99% right. of people that are involved in MLS and in sports in general, they're good people. And right. Like, we wouldn't take that away from them. All right. Yeah, so the next fan question comes from Fahim Kareem. Asks, um, have, you, have you ever played yourself in FIFA? We already covered. Yeah. Um, yeah. So shout out to Fahim Kareem. George Martinez – uh, wanted to say not really a question, but there that there is fans that still have a lot of love for you and thanking you for staying with us and hanging out with us at games. So yeah, they so. really appreciate that our fan base, the San Jose Earthquakes fan base, and now you're a fan base, right? Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's, yeah. Well, thank you. I, I'm I'm glad they liked. I'm glad they like to hear that. Um, yeah. There are certain players that you know don't want any part of that, you know, for whatever reason, but. I always thought it was a fun experience to go in there with the fans and just hang out, talk to them, take pictures or do whatever. It was just, I don't know. It's, it was just, it was just, it was just kind of fun to do, you know, seeing yeah. like people's eyes light up or whatever. It's like, yeah, man, I'm doing all right. Good. And then let them see that you're not just who you're, who are on the field. I do not look happy when I played. I look very, <laughs> angry. I look very, very angry. Like my game face was, was serious. I don't even know how I did it. Right. Like my eyebrows would go below my shoulders somehow. I don't even, I don't even know how to do that. But it was it was cool when you're just out there. It's just like, oh, you're not mean. It's like, nah, I'm cool. I'm happy. I'm a hugger. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> how can anyone think you're mean? Uh, if you should check, have you seen your Wikipedia page lately? Because you have the best smile on that picture on your Wikipedia page. Oh, I have page. not seen it. Oh boy, I, I better look. I don't know. If it's a good picture, I'll be amazed because the player cards that they get us, they're just like this one's terrible. We're you're using. wearing a collared shirt, so I don't think it's a. You're not in a jersey. It's not a game picture. So. It, it it might be like a Napa shot, probably. You look like <laughs> maybe a couple cups. You know. <laughs> no, oh my gosh! It's just kind of just glossy eyed. Oh yeah, yeah. Never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jorge Martinez, thank you for that. Um, and then our next question comes from William Bond. So uh, this is more of an uh, MLS current events types of question. So what are your thoughts on the points per game model that MLS is using to determine the playoff seeding? It seems to be benefiting not Quakes teams. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is so unfortunate. I completely get what they're talking about because they're probably going to make it, they're trying to make it sound like, look, COVID happened and it's not your fault. Things happen. Mm -hmm. So why should you be punished for it? And they're trying to make it into like, you know, so how, you know, points per game, you know, whereas the other teams, it was like, but we did this, we had the same guidelines, except we were just able to not have it. So why should we either be punished or anything like that? So I think I'm biased because it is going against not Quakes teams. So I'm not really for it, but at the same time, Colorado's going to really benefit from it. Right. And I mean, if you're, uh, I, I guess it's, um, it's, that's, that's, that's so tough. It, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. The thing is playing more games takes more out of the body. Right. So if you don't play a certain amount of games, then what does that do? But then begin the year, everybody had a big break and it's, 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 this year is just all up in the air. Um, I would say the points per game, I'm not really the biggest fan for, but I completely mm. understand the decision. Yeah. yeah and I think a lot of 
Quakes fans are mad at the fact that it just didn't come a little earlier, right? We didn't know earlier that this was right. what's going to happen. I think that's a sentiment around the league, right? They took a little long to make that decision on points per game in, in a lot of people's opinions. Mm-hmm. The next question comes from Jose Lopez on Twitter. He asks, what advice would you give someone to prepare for the life after soccer, including in your situation where it ended out of your control in a way? Uh, Stay in school. (laughs) I I would have had at least some kind of guidelines. Like I would like, okay, well, I have a major in this. Right. What can I pursue? Um, Which is ended like, oh, do the little dicky thing. Save that money. (laughs) <laughs> save that money yeah Always, don't 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 be afraid to just have a nice little little cushion there for everything you have to um for everything you might be spending for the next you know what was it i think two years yeah six mm-hmm. months they want you to have it stored in there um so that's never a bad mm-hmm. idea so then even if you are looking for your new passion you at least have the time and the funds to actually explore a little bit right but at the same time if you're coming off a professional career go have fun so mm-hmm. you you deserve it. You deserve it. I I immediately, um, kind of during and a little bit after my depression, I was like, well, I'm done playing soccer, so I got to do something. I got to do something. What am I going to do? Right. Be like, well, you had an 11 year career. Go away. Like, <laughs> go do stuff. And I'm, and like mm-hmm. and honestly, yeah. that was I think that helped me out a lot. I I mean I didn't get to go out and do that much because I I couldn't really let go or release because then I was like, well, I got to run half marathons for some reason. Right. The idea of being able to just you find some appreciation and just go and enjoy yourself and have life on a level that you haven't experienced in a couple of years. Yeah. Enjoy life, man. That's awesome. That's great. That's great advice. I mean, for anybody, really, if you've been into something so long that your body and your mind are tired of that, definitely go have fun. Yeah. And our last fan, well, submission in this case comes from Sam Habash on Facebook. He didn't have a question for you. He just wanted to share this picture he took with you in a game where he described as the one, it's like a Friends episode title, the one where Flo pocketed Zlatan. And if for those uh, who are listening, uh, it shows that Marvel is in the center of the picture. Everyone's smiling and posing, and you're wearing a very unique jersey. You want to describe it? <laughs> How do you describe that one? It is, um, <laughs> I, I, I think, because they, they gave it to me, like, yeah, we got one of these jerseys for you. And then they just, I, it's one of the ones that's red and it has, are they stars? Yeah, stars. Yeah, it's like a star type Upside of down. Pattern. Yeah, it's like the upside down star pattern that they, that they threw at me. And I was like, I'm wearing this. Or like, <laughs> or like a V with spikes, right? Yeah. 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 It reminds me of those fire. It reminds me of those fire Nigerian World Cup jerseys. That it's just a very bewildering yeah. pattern, but like you'll remember it forever once you see it once. Yeah, those are the ones they gave me. They gave me a couple of those, uh, or not oh. that, a couple, a couple of different jerseys. Sorry, not a couple of that particular jersey. So I got that one, <laughs> and I got the recycling one. So I've got so I've got some unique jerseys of my own. That's but awesome. I don't have a full black one that I got to wear during a game. <laughs> yeah. To put you at ease with the Wikipedia thing, this is a similar smile to the one you have in your Wikipedia picture. So it's a good right, photo. So, so, so it's not creepy. I'm not, I'm not like weird. With the, with the no, no, not at all. No, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Marvin, uh, 
that kind of wraps it up for us. We want to thank you for coming on. Um, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to make sure that the fans have time to answer questions. So we really do appreciate that. Thank you, Marvel. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was a lot of fun guys. Uh, nice to meet you guys. Yeah. yeah nice to meet you is, too. <laughs> well, this is like a San Jose earthquakes bucket list sort of thing. Like having watched definitely. you play and having been a fan of San Jose earthquakes and having been a fan of yours, even before San Jose earthquakes, like watching you play for other MLS teams. I'm like, you're a great, you're a good defender. And it's like, it was it's definitely a happy feeling when I first found out that you were a San Jose Earthquakes player and those feelings returned today getting a chance to talk to you. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And we appreciate you being a part of Quakes Media, helping grow the game. I know we're a part of that boat now too. And uh, we just want to see soccer in, in the best format, right? In everybody's mind and in the forefront of sports. So thank you for helping us with that too. Yeah. Anytime. We'll see you on the sticks. Yeah, we'll right. Hey. FIFA, and we'll see about the next Raiders game, too. <laughs> oh, let's go. Yeah. yeah. That stadium, though. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a nice stadium. Can't wait for COVID to be over. But definitely, Titanic takes at Twitch, Marvel win. Take it out. No, <laughs> we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Maybe a All special. Right. Thank episode. you for your time. Thank you, Marvel. Have a good night. See you guys. Take care, Marv. Bye. All right, we just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor once again, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to Woo! MLS, USL, thank you. and U.S. Scarf Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And if you're not content with just a scarf and you're tired of the same old uniform and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas, you can go for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday yeah, youth squad, adult, pro team or book club Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today. And if we ever have to consult Marvel win with one of those kits, I guess black is a color we'll have to consider because you didn't, I think we're going to have to make a Teutonic takes kit soon, right? It has to be black. So we send one to Marv. He rocks it on the Twitch stream. And then yeah. that's that's how we grow this 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 soccer community. All right, that's how we do it. Um, and yeah, I want to give a I, mean, I want to give I want to give a quick thank you to all of our Patreoners. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us on Patreon, we truly do appreciate it. At the end of the day, this is all money that goes back into Quake's content. Um, this is just growing the brand. We don't pocket any of this, um, and right. we want to grow the Quake's community, make it larger. We're, we're a little jealous of what LAFC and Atlanta have, and we just want to make it so it's like that, right? And then if you guys do have a second, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. We would love to see you guys give us some love on Apple Podcasts as well as YouTube. We have a YouTube now, so please subscribe, stay in tuned, like our videos, make sure that um, you're sharing it to friends so others can get, hop on the podcast as well. So are we doing a uh, preview for the Sounders game or are we just going to do a recap for that? Um, we are doing it. So we're, we're going we're gonna to do it live. So all you guys listening right now, we are definitely going to do it. Um, and that wraps it up for us. Go Quakes, Sounds right? Good. Go Quakes. Go Quakes. Thank you.